Off-Grid Girl, Paraskevia Jones, with a new episode of Living Life Off the Grid. This is Season 2, Episode 1. I repeat, don't ever open a restaurant. Well, with my successful Law of Attraction technique, the house in Phoenix sold in about a week. The money from the house sale was... Well, it was like a gift from the heavens. We could pay back borrowed funds from family. We could purchase supplies for the cabin. And we could begin to work on the infrastructure needed for the solar power setup, which was our ultimate goal. And then somewhere in all of that, we slipped on a banana peel. So I was teaching on our side of the mountain now. It was about a 30-minute drive to school. It was a quiet drive. I passed maybe one or two cars along the way. Beautiful scenery. It was ideal. It was the ideal job. A smaller class, quiet, enjoyable group of high school students. I'd been teaching culinary arts for about three years. And despite many things that were broken in our educational system, career and technical ed they remain they, they remain relevant and they are necessary I think for these uh, for these young adults I was good at teaching the basics in the kitchen and even now I feel that that time spent uh, it, it, I think that it would have even just a little tiny impact on those kids lives future lives so that's like a it's very positive it's a really good feeling well it was January it was January when that banana peel detoured our focus you see I have an illness it's a bug of sorts a business bug I inherited this bug or well, maybe it's genetic. It comes from my maternal grandfather, who has a keen mind. He, he was just brilliant. He was an inventor and an entrepreneur. After farming, he had a hand in several successful businesses. A mercantile, a butcher shop, a restaurant. And yes, he was even approached by a famous soup company. You know, the one with the red label. <laughs> they wanted to buy the rights to my grandmother's recipe for borscht, that Slavic beet soup. Well, his children, most of them, except one, inherited that bug. All but one of them had butcher shops, which were famous for their kibasa. Customers would stand in line for over 30 minutes, enduring my uncle's long stories, bad jokes, just to buy that tasty smoked link. An aunt had the best restaurant in town for over 30 years, and I spent my early childhood in the back rooms of that place, playing with my cousin. Perhaps it was then that I possibly absorbed that business bug. 
passed from my grandfather to my aunt, then to me. Maybe, maybe that's how it happened. Well, my first business, my first business was a health food store in our town at the age of 19. So after a disastrous term at college, my parents set up the store. They were hoping to give me some focus, but I was much too young. And I was much too wild-spirited to be sat in a shop all day. Well, so that lasted maybe four or five months. I can't remember now. The second business, well, that was, that was quite successful. A bakery that specialized in wholesale cookies. We delivered to 15 businesses or so. And we also had a cute truck doing retail. We drove around neighborhoods and, and we sold directly to customers. This, that time was truly the best time of my life, if I look back. It was a perfect endeavor for me. It fed my love for baking and my carefree spirit. But the end, the end came too quick. With the, bake, the breakup of the relationship, both business and personal, uh, you see the partner in that business was also my living partner. And, and so both went sour together, unfortunately. It was a great little gig for a while there. So after these early trials at entrepreneurship, I fell into the steady and stable life of teaching. That was another inherited bug. Both my parents and sister had been teachers. My restauranteur aunt turned her experience into practical classroom instruction of home ec. You remember home ec? Sewing, cooking, Well, this became um, my first formal position. By that time, the home ec had become a career in tech course, and it was divided into three separate fields, early childhood ed, fashion design, and then my field, culinary arts. So I managed to suppress my illness for, for about three years. Sometimes I would get an itch, when spying an empty building, I'd contemplate what type of business would suit that location. And then into the third year of teaching culinary, the bug surfaced as a full-blown rash when a little restaurant at the edge of town closed and became available for lease. My illness distracted my husband from our goals with the house. He loved me and knew that my aspirations couldn't be bridled. And of course, it seemed like a solid investment. I was a skilled and experienced cook. There was, there was no food like Asian or Mexican food. There's no Asian-Mexican joints within 30 miles of where we lived. That little restaurant was the banana peel that we slipped on. For a year and a half, we became immersed in a business that would wreak havoc with friendships, 
health and ultimately almost due in our family. shout out to our fans from the Dynamite Saloon, the last American speakeasy, somewhere in Cochise County, where drop-ins are always welcome with a good meal, good conversation. If you know where it is, keep it to yourself. good business. Everyone came. We, we had regulars. We had people. Everybody. People loved my orange chicken and my pollo fundido. There's no money in food. Someone had told me this when we had run our plan by them. What do you mean? People will come. We'll make money. They will come back. We'll make more money. Three cents on the dollar, she said. What does that even mean? Well, what it meant was, it didn't matter how damn delicious my food was, or how many steady customers we had, or how we packed people into that beautiful space we created so lovingly. We were never going to take home more than $300 to $500 a week. Listen to that. Listen to that again. $300 a week. That's $1,200 a month. Well, the stress, the stress was immediate from opening day. Staff was, uh, that was our biggest Oh, that was our biggest problem. Staff was difficult to maintain. After family members returned to their former peaceful lives, free from my, my hysterical outbursts, poor kids, we found that there, there really were few local options for staffing. The pitiful reality of not ever seeing a decent income working 60 hours a week with high anxiety. Well, that, that really soon took its toll. Stress became, stress was like an insidious disease that clouded our judgment. And so we made terrible decisions. We made the terrible decision to move to a house up the mountain. I thought it would be less stressful to have a real house with electricity and space for our son with his own room. That had to be better. That had to cut down on this stress. Well, what this move really did, you know, now I can see that what it really did was it took us further away from our true goal of why we were here in the first place. The restaurant that bigger, that bigger house with the electricity, both of those things took us away from our quiet, 
from our peaceful, simple life that we had that brought us all so closer together. Our loving relationships, well, they were deteriorating as we chipped away at each other with anger and blame and all the negative parts of our characters. They reared their ugly heads. And that's what stress does. There was no, there was nowhere this was going to end up with bad. That was pretty clear. We, we closed the restaurant with a huge sigh of relief. <laughs> the damage done to our family, that, that didn't disappear. That didn't disappear at all. After six turbulent months living away from our purpose, our true home, a terrible accident, dark dirt road well, that accident changed everything no one could have seen it coming no one no one could have seen that one coming and I went to jail that cold January night join me next time Paris Gevia Jones for another episode of living life off the grid. Thanks for listening.